uh, somebody named Epaphroditus. Couple, how many of you know somebody named <laughs> Epaphroditus? I don't. That's, and it's not a, I guess it's just an old Greek name. It's, it's a, a great guy in the New Testament. We've been looking at personalities in the Bible and have kind of uh, trans, transferred from apostles over to important figures in the New Testament. And there's, even though it's just mentioned a couple places in Philippians, a man named Epaphroditus who uh, was pretty remarkable. The sermon is entitled Epaphroditus, the apostle who risked it all. He risked everything. As a matter of fact, John was telling me as a young person, he knew a song called The Gambler. And it wasn't the Kenny Rogers song. It was the one where uh, it's about Epaphroditus who gambled his life to minister to Paul. And that's what this passage is about. Philippians 2, 25 through 30. And then he's mentioned one more time at the end of Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul's writing from prison in Rome to Philippi. And he writes this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all. He has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete your service to me. The end of uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am filled, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Let's bow. Father, there are folks who come through the pages of the New Testament are just mentioned once or twice, and yet what remarkable contributions they made to the kingdom. And they all have characteristics that we can look at and learn from and, and seek to incorporate into our lives. And so help us learn this from Epaphroditus and from Paul and their relationship and what transpired through that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Epaph Paul was the kind of person, Paul was a lesson in contrasts. Paul either had fierce enemies or he had fierce friends. And there was not much in between. Either you loved Paul or you despised him. And, and Epaphroditus and the church at Philippi were among those who loved and appreciated Paul. Paul has made his final trip to Rome. He is imprisoned. Uh, there's a shipwreck on the way. He's lost all of his possessions and supplies. And word has gotten to Philippi that Paul is by himself. Uh, and, and in Paul's day, you got to understand, in prison, they didn't give you three square meals a day and give you a, a, way, a workout room and television and all those kinds of things to make prison uh, more pleasurable. In Paul's day, in prison particularly, he was usually chained to a guard. And whatever food he had, you know, they might have provided a little bit, but if there was anything of substance, friends brought that and ministered to him. And so it became all the more important. Uh, he's in prison. The Philippians hear about it. 
And so they take up an offering because Philippi is one of the wealthier churches that Paul has, has established. And uh, they, they get an offering together and eventually a member of their church named Epaphroditus says, I'll take the offering. And it was no small sacrifice to do that. We'll get to that in a minute. But Epaphroditus brings this offering to Paul and ministers to Paul there in prison in Rome. Was Epaphroditus an apostle? Um, not in the sense that uh, definition of apostle is someone who saw Christ and walked with him and, and heard him speak. But there's a word here in verse 25. It says, your messenger and minister to my need. The word for messenger there is the Greek word apostolos. And sometimes it's translated apostle, sometimes it's translated messenger. So even though Epaphroditus was not technically an apostle, he still had all the characteristics of an apostle in ministering to Paul and bringing the gift to Paul. Everything we know about Epaphroditus comes from this passage in Philippians 2, 25 through 30, and uh, at the end, chapter 4, verse 18. And what I want you to, uh, to get an idea about is what it took to get this offering from Philippi to Rome. You know, we read, uh, he took the offering, they heard about his sickness, and, and then they got upset and all this drama ensued, you got to understand the distances involved here. Philippi, I had to look at a map. Philippi is in kind of northeast Macedon, northeast Greece. Where's Rome? It's over here in western Italy. It's about 700 to 1,000 miles apart. And a journey could take anywhere from two months to, to four months. So how do you get there? Well, I read some, read some details. To get from Philippi to Rome, you've got to walk about 350 miles along the Ignatian Way to get from Philippi to the western coast of Greece. And then if you had a ship, you could take that ship about 80 miles across the Adriatic Sea and land on the east coast of Italy. And then it's about another 350 miles by foot on the Appian Way to get to Rome. So that's about 700, 800 miles by foot, eight weeks, maybe two and a half months, maybe three months. And so what, what I want you to see here is it sounds like an expressway going back and forth between Philippi and Rome because Epaphroditus makes a trip from Philippi to Rome, two months, right? And then what happens? He gets sick. Philippi gets word that Epaphroditus is sick. So word has traveled back to Philippi that Epaphroditus is sick. Then what happens? Paul, and Paul finds out that the Philippians are upset that Epaphroditus is sick. So word has traveled back from Philippi to Rome. And then Paul says, I want to send Epaphroditus home to you to show you that he's gotten better and to put your minds at ease and not to worry. So there's about four trips going back and forth between Philippi and Rome. And that's, it takes about a year. So when Epaphroditus came to visit Paul, why was it a sacrifice? Because he knew it was going to take a year of his life. It was going to take a long time. You ever had a visitor who came and stayed for a year? I mean, you know, after three days, Susan says visitors are like fish. They, they begin to smell. So uh, not only did Epaphroditus come and stay, but he got sick. Have you ever had a visitor come and get sick? I mean, that's even worse. You don't know what to do for them. They aren't able to, to really do anything. 
and things just, you know, you, you, they want to get home. If they're sick, they want to get home. And that's what Epaphroditus wanted most of all. I don't know if Epaphroditus was sick, if he was sickly before he left Philippi and in the journey, the strain of the journey brought on additional illness. Medicine was so primitive in this day. You know, if you had a fever, basically you just had to sweat it out. You just had to live it out. Whatever, whatever disease set up on Epaphroditus, he was near death. It was that critical. The Philippians heard about it. And then Paul heard that the Philippians were worried. And so this, this word is traveling back and forth and Epaphroditus is languishing there. And he's not really able to do much for Paul. You know, when you're sick, there's not a whole lot you can do but just lie there and pray you improve. And, um, but Paul still talks about what his ministry meant to him. Matter of fact, let's look at it a little bit. We're gonna break it down in verse 25. There are five characteristics of a Christian here. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, one, my fellow worker, two, my fellow soldier, three, and your messenger or apostle, four, and minister, five, to my needs. Paul says, first of all, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. He's going to send Epaphroditus back home. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. My brother was, uh, was Epaphroditus. He may have been converted under Paul's ministry. And so Paul considered him a brother. Or e even if he were not converted in Paul's ministry and preaching. You know, when you come into the family of God, we become brothers and sisters in Christ, don't we? You've got some brothers, all these folks here who are members of this church are your brothers and sisters. Look around at each other. <laughs> it's not a bad group. It's not, you know, I have some members of my family that I'm more embarrassed of than I am of any of you. But uh, we're all brothers and sisters. And that, that was really driven home to me several years ago when I was doing a baptismal service. I told you all about this. And we had several to baptize. And you know how I baptize? I baptize you, John Smith, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I baptize you, Mary Smith, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Little Caroline Vickers is sitting in her mama's lap in the balcony. And she heard me say that so many times. I baptize you, my brother. I baptize you, my sister. She leaned over to her mom and said, Brother Wayne sure has a lot of brothers and sisters, doesn't he? And, and it's true. I do have a lot of brothers and sisters. And so do you. Because when God adopts us into his family, he adopts us into the family of God, into the, the family of, of First Baptist Tifton, and Christ is the head, and we're all parts of the body, and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, knit perfectly and neatly together. And so, yes, we care about one another. And we're, Epaphroditus was Paul's brother, and you and I are each other's brothers and sisters. And he says, my fellow worker, my fellow worker. Some translations say my companion in labor. And you know, I got to thinking about this. Wasn't Epaphroditus sick most of the time he was with Paul? How was he a companion in labor? How was he a faithful worker if he's, if he's lying in a, in a bed, you know, with a fever? And then I got to thinking, you know, even someone seriously ill can do the most important thing. And what's that? Pray. 
Even the, even the sickest person can still pray. We had a lady in my last church in South Carolina named Lillian Hilliard, and she was a, a pastor's wife. He was retired. And, um, and we eventually named an offering after her in our association. It was the Lillian Hilliard Associational Offering. She was sick most of the time I knew her, and she was homebound. But she was a prayer warrior, let me tell you. And if you, and anybody in our association that had a prayer need, they called her, and they knew that she would be lifting them up. I read a story about C.H. Spurgeon, you know, the Metropolitan Tabernacle that he pastored in London in the late 19th century. I, incidentally, we went to England several years ago, and I made Susan and Catherine uh, get on a, what do they call it, the tube or whatever, and ride it out to Metropolitan Tabernacle. The place was huge. And, and today they've closed off about half of it because instead of holding about 5,000, it only holds about 1,000. But can you imagine C.H. Spurgeon preaching to 5,000 without any microphone, without any PA? He was a huge man with a big voice and a powerful witness for Christ. And there was an elderly lady in his congregation, and she would scan the congregation every Sunday and look for strange faces. And guess what she was doing? She was praying for them. She was praying for them. And nobody really knew that until C.H. Spurgeon did her funeral. And he said she was his best and most important helper in the church. She was just sitting in church looking around, looking for folks with, you know, an expression that she didn't recognize or look like, you know, sensitive to their need. And just she'd just be praying for them during the church service. That's the most important thing we can do. And, and I wonder if Paul referred to Epaphroditus as my fellow laborer, my, my companion in the labor, because even though lying in a, in a sickbed, he knew he was praying for Paul. He says, my soldier in arms, my fellow soldier. Some, some translations say my comrade in arms. And he says, he made up for the services you were not here to render, to, you know, it's, it's not that Paul expected the Philippians to come, but Epaphroditus came as their emissary, as their representative. And he says, Epaphroditus was here and he was fighting alongside me to make up for what you were unable to do. He was your representative. He joined Paul in the battle for the cross. And if you don't believe there are people battling for the cross right now, then all you need to do is just turn on the news. It doesn't get a lot of media around the world, but I'm telling you, there, there are Christians who are battling for the cross right now. Um, I looked up this week, um, Voice of the Martyrs. Have you ever seen that or heard of that on the radio? They have a website called persecution.com. And it just has story after story of Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. And what they face, I, I, you know, I, I could just, I could tell you some of the stories, but I just start crying. It's just uh, what what some Christians undergo for the cross around the world today. Uh, there's probably more persecution against Christians today than any other time in history. I heard David Jeremiah this morning. I don't know if y'all watch him. He's on at uh, seven o'clock on Channel 16, but he told a story of uh, a pastor from Texas who went to Malaysia and was in a worship service there. And uh, of course, in Malaysia, the, the Christians are persecuted pretty, pretty broadly. And they had a baptismal service, and a, and a young lady was being baptized. 
And uh, after the service, uh, the pastor from Texas noticed there was some luggage at the back of the church. And, and the pastor said, what's, what's the, you know, he thought maybe somebody was going on a mission trip or something like that. Um, what's, what's the luggage doing in the back of the church? And the pastor told, the pastor of that church told the pastor from Texas, he said, the young lady who got baptized, her father told her this morning, if you go to church and you get baptized, don't bother coming home. And so that was a sacrifice that she was going to make for Christ. Paul was in Rome in the shadow of all these pagan gods, including Caesar. Caesar liked to think of himself as a god. Um, and and uh, in that day, either you said Caesar is Lord or you would be persecuted. Now, would a Christian be able to say Caesar is Lord? A thousand times no. No. And so Christians were persecuted in Paul's day. And Paul had Epaphroditus there with him. And even though physically he might not have been much of a presence, just, just his being there encouraged Paul and represented a fellow soldier for the cross. He was a minister, an apostle, a messenger, and minister to my needs. The word for minister there is a great word. It's, it's the word we get liturgy from. Minister to my needs. He was like Epaphroditus. The word means like a Jewish priest who's making sacrifice, a priest bringing an offering. So Epaphroditus was like a priest who had brought a sacrificial gift to Paul from the Philippians. It was like, it was like a worship service the gift that Epaphroditus brought to Paul and it encouraged him so much that he had not been forgotten. I mean, there he is for the cross in prison in Rome. Everything he lost in a shipwreck, wondering if anybody cared. And here comes Epaphroditus with not only monetary gift, but the gift of his presence. So when it comes to his importance to the church back in Philippi, once again, it says, when in Rome, Epaphroditus becomes, it says, near to death in verse 27. And I looked that up, and the word literally means uh, alongside a neighbor to death. He was next door to death. We, I think we say that today, he was at death's door. He was right beside death. It's how close it was. The Philippians heard that Epaphroditus was ill. They got upset. Paul heard that the Philippians were upset. He got upset. And then Paul says, God had mercy on us all. So I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. What would the sorrow upon sorrow be? The sorrow upon sorrow would be, first of all, that Epaphroditus had lost his life ministering to Paul upon the sorrow of being imprisoned. I mean, being imprisoned was bad enough. Not that Paul was ashamed of the gospel or of Christ. But don't you know Paul had all these plans to carry the gospel? He wanted to go to Rome and preach, not go to Rome in prison. And then from Rome, he wanted to go further west. There was so much territory that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul wasn't one who just lived day to day. He had long-range plans. And he had ideas of where he wanted to go and, and, and calls that he had heard to carry the gospel. That he was unable to do while sitting in a jail cell in Rome. Now, I know I've said before, while Paul is in jail, he's chained to a guard. 
And so that guard's here in the gospel. You better believe that. That's what you call a captive audience. And uh, every time a guard changed every eight hours, there'd be another guard that Paul would witness to. And so Paul used his imprisonment to further the gospel. But that's not, that was not Paul's plan originally. Paul's plan was to travel and plant churches. And so the sorrow of being imprisoned, compounded by the sorrow of Epaphroditus' illness, much less if he lost his life, would have just been more than Paul could bear. But God had mercy on him and on Epaphroditus. And so Paul is writing this letter back to the Philippians and saying, this is what your messenger, your apostle and minister to my need has done for me. His gift came like a fragrant offering, a sacrifice pleasing and acceptable to God. Thank you. Philippians became, among other things, a thank you note to the Philippians for what they had done in and through Epaphroditus. So word arrives to the church in Philippi that Paul is in prison. There's a question about his comfort and supplies. Apparently it took a little while for them to raise the offering and then for somebody to volunteer to make that two-month journey from Philippi to Rome. Finally, Epaphroditus volunteered to go and represent the church and the gift cheered Paul and brought him comfort. And it was a double gift. The gift itself was a gift and then the gift of Epaphroditus' presence was a gift. And the amazing thing is to me, and I never really thought about it until recently, is how, how Epaphroditus' presence ministered to Paul despite the fact that he was sick unto death. Have you thought about that? It's not like Epaphroditus came and ministered to Paul by, you know, carrying messages and, and taking care of business and, and, and putting his affairs in order, whatever Paul needed. No. Epaphroditus ministered to Paul while being sick unto death. How did that happen? All I can figure out is that just what I call the ministry of presence, just being there was a huge source of encouragement to Paul. I've had folks tell me a lot, you know, I have a friend in the hospital, what do I say? I have a friend who's lost a loved one. What do I say? I'm afraid to go and say something wrong and mess up or, you know, maybe I just won't go at all. And I say, that's the exact opposite of what you should do. If you go and visit somebody, let me tell you something. They probably won't remember what you say, but they will remember that you were there. They will know that you were there. And so don't let not knowing what to say keep you from going when the going is the most important thing. Did you hear me? Don't let not knowing what to say keep you from going when the going is the most important thing. A lot of times I've heard people in hospital rooms and in the funeral home and they say the wrong thing. (laughs) So it's better just to go and let folks know you care and share with them in their sickness or their grief. You put your arm around them, say a prayer with them, but don't let not knowing what to say keep you from going because here's Epaphroditus. And I don't know what he was able to do for Paul being sick unto death besides the fact of just being there with him. That's the most important thing. And so this letter, among other things, 
is a thank you note to the Philippians because someone cared enough to come and visit. And I bet the visit meant a whole lot more than whatever offering he brought to help meet Paul's needs. So if you have a friend in the hospital, if you have a friend who's lost a loved one, if you have a friend in the nursing home, don't avoid going because it makes you uncomfortable. Are you afraid you might say the wrong thing or not know what to say? The most important thing is just going. That's what Epaphroditus did for Paul. He took a risk. He risked it all to minister to Paul. And in the end, it was just his presence that meant the most. And Paul was gushing in his praise for what Epaphroditus had done and what his visit meant to him. Because when it comes down to it, that's what counts the most. Let's bow together. Father, there are folks who are lonely. There are folks who are hurting. There are folks in the hospital right now. There are folks um, with loved ones in the, in the funeral home. And we don't always know what to say. And when we do say something, sometimes it comes out all wrong. And, and, um, and so sometimes we just avoid. You know, we'll see somebody and, and um, just wish we had done more. Just remind us of how important our presence is to folks who are hurting. How important our prayers are for folks who are hurting. And even though we might not have all the answers, we can just go and sit beside somebody and put our arm around them and hurt with them. We can go and visit the hospital and um, just hold a hand and let them know we care. There's nothing worse than suffering, perhaps, than suffering alone. And so you've called us as brothers and sisters to minister to our family and to minister outside our family and to represent you to this world. And so we thank you for a, a man named Epaphroditus. Maybe he was up in years and retired and had the time to go, but his, uh, his, his health was fragile and in the course of the journey became seriously ill and yet still made that risk to represent you, to represent his church, and to minister to Paul. There's folks around us who need ministry. So help us reach out a hand of love and a shoulder to lean on. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning, Just As I Am. I come broken to be mended. Aren't you glad you don't have to wait until you're perfect to come to God? Because that day would never come. I've had folks say, I, I'm not where I, I want to be before, you know, before I give my life to Jesus. There's some things I need to straighten out. No, no. God's the one who can straighten those things out. It'll never be the right time to come unless it's the time where you...
say, God, I'm a mess. But what I am, I give to you. I come broken to be mended. If you need to come and give your life to him today, if you need to come and, and rededicate your life, if you'd like to pray at the altar, if you want to join our church and become one of our brothers and sisters, we'll welcome you. Let's stand together and sing just as I am. You come as we sing.